Hi guys, I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, the photographer behind Men in This Town and editor of Mitt Magazine. Welcome to a brand new season of Portrait Session, in partnership with Emporio Armani. This season, I'm doing things a little bit differently. Instead of shooting men in this town in my studio, I'll be capturing them in their natural habitat, living la dolce vita and finding out what living the sweet life actually means to them in this day and age. In this episode, I'm in Melbourne, chatting with Jason Chong and Nathan Smith, the duo behind the Plant Society. Longing to create a plant community based around their passion for design and plants, they saw a gap in the market in educating their generation about the simple skills and knowledge relating to gardening in small spaces. From local workshops to their first Melbourne plant shop, and now their Sydney outpost that includes a guest house perched above the intimate location, their growth shows no signs in slowing down. Pun intended. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the conversation that took place. When you breathe through your mouth, nothing knows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have that too, so we'll get this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, into this. All right, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's just start off with introducing uh, yourselves. What are your names? Kind of what you do and your ages. What you do. Um, so I'm Jason, so I'm creative director for the Plant Society, um, and I'm 31. And I'm Nathan, I'm the managing director for the Plant Society, I'm 33. Alright, let's start off with what you guys are wearing today. What, what are your styles today all about? Um, so I'm wearing an Emporio Armani sweater, um, in a dark green, quite suiting, and then chinos from Uniqlo and just some plimsolls. Awesome. Uh, I've also got my Armani, <laughs> Emporio Armani sweater. Um, we always often dress quite similar. I've got my chinos <laughs> as well. Um, and my amazing uh, sneakers from Kiyoma Store. Amazing. What are the chinos all about? You guys are all about chinos? You like chinos? Yeah, I think we've both resorted to chinos because they're easy to move in. Um, and we, more and more, as the business has gotten kind of more chaotic, we've resorted to more basics. Um, and we just find chinos are kind of that in-between of being commercial but not being too horticulturalists. Yeah, yeah. They're comfortable and yeah. they kind of make it easy to work around. Yes. yes. Yeah. What are your styles about individually? Um, funnily, individually they've almost merged as we've been together longer. <laughs> um, there's often days where we accidentally dress the same. Um, our being a designer too, an architect my aesthetic has changed over time to be more relaxed, mm-hmm. I guess, every day. Um, so less about kind of brand names dressing up, but more about, someone said to me, more about silhouettes and mm. um, being comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, like you said, we are quite similar in a lot of ways. We spend a lot of time together. Um, yeah, I'm very, I like casual, um, smart casual, I guess, I would say was fashion a thing kind of when you guys were growing up or was it kind of just on the side was it an importance to you um not growing up as such so being kind of pre-teens it mm. wasn't really um any experimental phases that you kind of went through definitely <laughs> <Yeah>. definitely <laughs> um plenty of them especially being a designer yeah. so i think yeah right um going into architecture you know at 18 
I went straight to uni, so it was definitely about brands, mm. about the look. Mm. It was always like who's wearing the coolest outfit, especially coming from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of experimentation there and I guess relates back to kind of finding who you are. Yeah. Um, and I think for a long time, finding who I was was brand names. Yeah. And then funnily enough, starting the business, you actually find out who you are. Yeah. Um, and being more relaxed and comfortable is really who we are. So. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I grew up, but no, I think Nathan... Yeah, I didn't... I, it, it, fashion wasn't, when I was growing up, like an important thing that I really thought about. Mm. Um, I grew up in central Victoria, so maybe it was a little more relaxed out in the country, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think definitely now, more so, I think about things more and I do enjoy yeah. um, it's like trying different things and um, dressing up a little bit more, probably than I did when I was younger, so... Where do you think you find out about new products and new kind of labels? Is that something that you actively search out or just kind of you fall upon certain things that kind of attract uh, you? I definitely love finding new labels from the Melbourne kind of scene yeah. in terms of young designers. It's something that we're really passionate about through our ceramicists, for instance, mm. um, and definitely through clothing too. It's there's something nice about being in our neighbourhood and discovering. Yeah. Um, we do a bit of travelling too. So, you know, when we're in LA, it's all about kind of getting in there into the community. Yeah. Um, less so much kind of high street shopping, brand shopping. So um, there's something beautiful about a young designer finding themselves as well. Yeah. Um, and just being able to, you know, create something so beautiful without having the background knowledge or the experience, which is really Absolutely. great. I yeah. It's something that I think Melbourne... I mean, this is our first Melbourne podcast that we're recording. And it's funny just to see the different communities and how they kind of exist. And Melbourne, compared to Sydney, just has a little bit more of that... I don't know, they're ahead in kind of doing all that kind of um, original... Either when it comes to fashion or ceramics or products that are being created. It's kind of they've set the tone and kind of everyone else follows afterwards, I find. Do you kind of find that? I think so, and I, I think it's not. It's never the Melbourne, Sydney kind of battle. Yeah. But um, it's been interesting having the shop up in Sydney mm. and being up there for a year now, and that's had a lot of surprises for us in the differences in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, you know, there's a lot of influences as to why there's so many more creatives down here. I think mm-hmm. um, it's more affordable. Um, you know, rents affordable, which means someone can have a studio, um, they can experiment. Um, and going out for dinner isn't it's expensive but not as expensive as Sydney um, and then having that community influencing you as well Absolutely. so we wouldn't be sitting here without you know there's 20 people who we could kind of attribute to mm-hmm. even just putting their hand out and saying do you need help yeah, yeah. Um, and actually coming to the table and you know we've had conversations about how we deal with you know being ethnic in the media mm-hmm. and that you don't think about as a young business yeah right. um or how to be who we are in the media or yeah. finding that balance of um, this is our product and how do we stay true to it. Yeah. Um, and then to hiring staff, how do you deal with that? Um, and then we've had all these conversations with all these different business owners um, and I find that's quite a common thing with young designers being able to go to someone else for mm-hmm. advice. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you guys meet then? What, what's your story to begin with? We met. <laughs> we met. We were having this discussion last night. I think about nine years ago. Jason thinks about 12. No, okay. it would be nine. But I think we worked out. It was about nine years ago. It's a bit of a difference. <laughs> I know. No, that's no, no, no. fine. Um, yeah, so we met about nine years ago. 
I think we just dated for a few months. It was nothing yeah. serious. Um, we were both at different stages. I just moved back from overseas. I think you had two. Yeah, we had both lived in London at the same time no and way. didn't know each other. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and when we, when I got back and Nathan had been back already, I think we, I wanted to move to New York, and I remember Nathan wanting to move to Dubai. Yeah, I was, Dubai, I was yeah. a flight attendant, um, yeah. and I just got back from a year. With the airline I worked for in Australia, uh, had a program where you could get sent to London for a year and work there, awesome. um, flying all around the world, which was incredible. So then I got back to Australia, and yeah, for me, thinking about going back overseas and living that life again was pretty exciting. Absolutely. And that was at the same time that we kind of met. So I think yeah. we were just at different points. We, did, you know, we weren't settled. We were wanting to do other things, and yeah, and it just probably wasn't the right time. Yeah, but I, there wasn't anything. There weren't bad memories from it. Yeah, but um, and I think it was you know five years. It was later, just on five years yeah. ago that we reconnected, and we had both yeah. been in relationships with. Guys in LA. Yeah, yeah. LA. We're yeah, both yeah. a very similar life. Similar life. How funny. It's really bizarre. Um, so I'd been single for a while, and then Nathan had, was newly single, and we just reconnected as friends and kind of connecting on, yeah. you know, long distance relationships yeah. and what we had been through. Um, and we actually were just friends for a while. Um, and then we just kind of worked out that there might be something there. Yeah. Being very cautious about the friendship, too. Um, but I think it's grown organically. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why we had to stop one day and go, oh, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> because it was just organic. And it's it wasn't, there wasn't labels well. and there wasn't yeah. like, you're on the same page of kind of figuring out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so. I think we realised it early and that, I think that relates to the business too. Yeah. This whole sense of honesty yeah. and, and being okay to say, you know, I have feelings for you, yeah, yeah. but it's okay if you don't. That's, I just need to let you know because it's right to let you yeah, know. Right. Yeah. Then be a friend that. with you for years and... Have Never feelings for you. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So then kind of where does that kind of then you have your relationship? How does that get into a business? Is that wow. something that you guys ever thought you would do together or even have your own businesses individually? Like, no. where did that come from? Um, again, this was this business was completely organic the way yeah. it began to, which I think is a great um, part of what we do is that it was never forced it was always from passion and from it things just happened and we worked on it yeah so it was about two years after we met um and you jason was interior designer and yeah. an architect uh and i was still flying back in so australia in, or? in australia, australia. Yeah. so we, yeah. yeah we've still been in melbourne but um i being an architect just had transitioned into interiors uh, for the last few years which is great but I think the lifestyle never really sat well to who I was. Right. Um, so the long hours and being exposed to that. Um, the last firm I was at, Hecker Guthrie, were amazing in terms of the support. Um, but previous to that, I had gone through a string of firms, you know, seven firms in seven years. Kind no of thing. way. Um, Why is that, you think? Well, I think I'm, I'm actually quite stubborn in terms of family. Yeah. Um, and there were times where I went through firms and it was obvious that family wasn't important, that you were a designer mm. and that came before family. Um, and for me, coming from a big family, um, that was always really important. Um, and so I did go through a bit of workplace bullying. And no being young, you just never... It is a bit like Devil Wears Prada sometimes, <laughs> not all the time. And yeah. I think that a lot of firms are changing and we work with a lot of them now and they are changing. I hear you. Um, I see that as well. The kind of places that I've worked, it is kind of that yeah. culture that it's people kind of want to 
live up to that stereotype yeah. for some reason. Yeah. And it's like, my, it doesn't need to be that way. <laughs> totally. And I was like, well, why do I have to cry going to work and going home mm. from work? Mm. Um, and it was just my friends, actually, and Nathan, who were actually at good friends um, at a country farm. Um, and we were just garden. I always garden with Jane, my best friend, a good friend's mum. And she was the one, in, we were in the garden, and she was saying, well, why don't you do something with plants? Because maybe interiors and architecture isn't for you because mm. it's obviously not making you completely happy. Um, and when we came back into the house, all of the, Nathan and the rest of the family were talking about me doing something different. Yeah. Um, so I almost got ambushed. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I ne- we never really wanted to open a shop. We never really wanted to have a business. Yeah, yeah. Um, but how it started was we just... I agreed to doing just one weekend, just bringing the plant community together. Um, we spent kind of two months hunting down rare plants. You know, we'd go into our drives up to the border of New South Wales and bring plants back. For yourselves? Uh, no, not for ourselves. No. For this big event we're going to have. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think at one point Nathan freaked out because he's like, I think that's enough plants. That, the idea. I, I've definitely changed my tune these days. Yeah. Um, more plants. I'm normally, plants. yeah, erring on the side of, I don't think we've got enough. I think it needs to be lusher. Yeah. So I've it's definitely lush. changed. It's lush. Yes. But um, I was, I kept saying, it has to be phenomenal for it to work. Yeah. It has to, yeah. We have to go in or not go in at all. And um, so we did one weekend where we brought people together, taught them the basics of water light nutrition which sounds really silly, but... Um, is this something that kind of you had taught yourself as well? Like is Yeah, I grew up gardening. So yeah, my right. grandparents um, ran a coffee plantation in East Timor. Wow. Um, and so I would garden with my grandparents and my yeah. parents, and they were all still garden now. Uh, for all of us, it was just a hobby. Nice. Um, I think Dad kind of laughed because he thought I spent too much time in the garden because I would wake up at 7 and be in the house at 6 p.m. I would just be in the garden all day. Yeah, right. Um, to the point where we had too many plants and he wanted to get rid of them, but <laughs> my aunties told him not to. Um, so we always had that relationship growing up and it all revolves around gardening. Um, even now, like, we went over there and they're busy planting plants now for us um, and it's exciting for them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I taught myself... Um, it was also through experimentation um, and almost taking that risk. You know, a lot of people fear now that they're going to kill a plant so they don't try. Yeah. And weirdly, it's kind of a metaphor for life at the moment, I think, that this generation that is below us or in the same generation as us is so scared about failing. Yeah. Um, and in a weird way, we find that people should be experimenting, that as an architect, you get taught to make mistakes, so yeah. you learn. It's not um, to do with everything, doesn't it? It's like even just yeah. relationships with people and yeah, friendships. It's totally. like you're afraid to get close to anyone because... Yeah what if it doesn't work and what's the point then it's like yeah. that is the generation at the moment yeah totally you, there's also that always that fear mm. um, and so yeah I taught myself and then we my biggest struggle was trying to join a gardening club yeah. that was always my therapy as a designer um, but as we know the gardening clubs are ageing um, and so trying to go to a gardening club at 11am on a Tuesday was always hard yeah right um and I managed to do it with my last job, but um, it was quite a rare scenario where you could ask for 11 o'clock off, yeah. go to a gardening club and come back to work. Um, and that made me think, well, why aren't younger people joining gardening clubs? Because why isn't society and the community embracing multi-generational, multi-ethnicity groups as well? 
and gardening is such a beautiful one that can connect everyone. Absolutely. Um, so we decided to do plant socials and that was just, we would be at the back of a cafe um, answering people's questions and just breaking that barrier of there's no stupid question. So we still get people coming in going, do I need to water this plant? How do I water it? Do I need to repot it? Or does it need natural light? Yeah. Um, and it's important not to make them feel intimidated. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think, uh, in a way to kind of create that community is that you have to be kind of very much on the same level and have yeah. people come to you and feel that you're approachable. Yes. That's yes. a tough thing to do yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. because if you kind of know kind of everything, how it works, it's like, yeah. well, how do you kind of talk back down but without talking down to people yeah it's totally a skill, yeah. Isn't it? and yeah and just realizing that everyone's on a different journey yeah and, and it like might sound really basic doing it yeah the reason for them to pick up gardening and we've had some really beautiful encounters overseas for instance um where one of the first plant people we profiled she was going through depression at the time yeah and she walked past the plant market in new york and um she actually just said to herself well my life's pretty shitty at the moment right. I just need something beautiful mm. and then discovered that process of gardening being really calming for her yeah. and that's how she's ended up with an indoor jungle not just because it's a fad but yeah. it's her own journey into calming herself down um, and I think meeting us was a big thing for her you know meeting a stranger meeting two strangers across mm. um, and she acknowledged that straight up saying I don't normally do this yeah. um, and it was really nice to connect to her yeah yeah and I came by uh, to the Sydney location a couple of weeks ago and mm. we bought a plant for the house because we had plants in the house, but then we moved to this new place and it was a bit smaller and we just didn't have space for it. But for the last two years, I felt like it's been lacking some greenery and I'm like, I need a plant in here. And it's funny just what a difference it makes. Mm-hmm. Just having that little bit of life in the corner there, it's just like, ah, it's yep. refreshing. Yeah. It's like, now we need more. Yeah. And it's like, you can see how you become a little bit kind exactly. of yeah. to it. And know? it doesn't have to be a jungle. No, absolutely. It's just, right now, it's just a little plant. And yeah, it's like, yeah. to see it grow and Josh's pride in it is yeah. just like, he's so amazed to kind of see it growing yeah, totally. slowly. And that's the thing that's nice. Like, the, there's not many things that we do in everyday life that, I don't know, just bring that Yeah, it's yeah. a joy. silly little it's joy. A, and it's like, yeah. I, I love it's it. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it's, I think, not being able to control it to an extent. extent. Yeah. yeah. And that's what surprises yes. people. Yeah. And that's, you know, when people have problems with their plants, I love that it's not an instant fix. Yeah. Because we're so trained now that everything's instant. We can buy what we want. But, we you know, we can't buy a plant that has perfectly five leaves, perfectly, you know, yeah. two metres tall. Can't buy a, a special thing to make it grow better. Yeah. Or it's you just have to yeah. do the basics Let it be. for it, exactly. you know, isn't it? Just to remind you, I think for us it reminds us to slow down. Yeah. Um, to appreciate those moments, whereas... Previous to this, we'd be, you know, rushing around trying to buy, lining up at a sale, you yeah, know, trying yeah. to get that thing. Um, but I think that's changed the way we think about life as well. Yeah. yeah. So how did you guys then grow naturally with, you kind of started at the back of cafes. Yeah. How did it kind of evolve from there? If that, again, things sort of happen for reasons. So I was, um, I'd been flying for about 15 years and had long service leave, which I'd taken the first six months of oh, a couple nice. of years ago off. Yeah. So just previous to that is when we started our sales um, or we had our big yeah. Emporium rare sale. And from there, we literally brought all our plants home to the house. Um, and we every day, a local cafe, we walk past the window. Um, we become good friends with one of the chefs that they had like a little street window. Um, we always chatted about our dogs and had a laugh. And we just said to her one day, oh my gosh, would we be able to use your back 
courtyard yeah. to work with you guys to create this space where people can come along, talk about plants, and have our socials, and that's where it started. Um, so we do that every week, every two, every we couple of every weeks. Month. Every month, every two weeks, and every week. <laughs> it just grew and grew, and then the house grew and grew, and we had a lot and of... working full-time still, but you had... I was off. working full-time. Yeah. I was yeah. flying, and Jay was full-time. Yeah. At um, that point, we were both working full-time. Yeah. yeah. So then that was about, I think, started in about September or August. Um, so I had the January to June off the next year, which was great, because then that allowed us to... That's where it really allowed us to grow. Yeah. Uh, but it was organic. I think we had another few designer friends um we had a studio yeah we did a studio warehouse sale, warehouse yeah. um which was in collingwood still yeah and then actually she asked if we wanted to take the lease over for the last two weeks because she was moving back home to new yeah. zealand um so we said yes because we didn't want to take the plants home to the house again <laughs> yeah. um and was there then, a lot at this point oh, yeah well yeah. if you I think could... of, yeah if you think about our <laughs> terrace actually when i got approached to write the first book um, the editor had to climb through plants as soon as we opened the door. Yeah. So the whole hall, the hallway was floor covered all over with plants mm-hmm. and it went all the way 30 metres back into the house. Um, and we were kind of comfortable living like that at that point because we wanted to balance, you know, rent yeah. as opposed to doing what we loved. Mm. Um, and then we ended up hiring like a shared, um, renting a shared design studio space. Um, which that that worked for what it was, um, and we actually a month or so later decided that we had to actually go in hard or yeah. not do it at all, yeah, right. um, or just keep it as a little one month hobby um, because it was draining our full time roles in terms yeah. of what we were doing as well. I was writing the first book at the same time as doing that, as at the same time as working in interiors. Right. Um, and it was all fun, but we kind of saw, if we were honest to ourselves, that we couldn't do it long term. Um, and that's when I had worked with Meg, Megan Zenter previously on a project um, designing. Yeah. And we just said to ourselves, if we wanted, Nathan and I said to ourselves, if we wanted to be anywhere without any boundaries, where would it be? And I, Megan Zenter's um, Minanoi in Collingwood came up. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll just call them or email them and see if they would be interested in us having our plant shop in their cafe. Um, and so we did that and I spoke to Zenta the next day and we had a great chat on the phone and we were really honest. Um, you know, we said, this is how much we can afford. Will it work? We'll be in your way. Or you just let us know how much space you can give us, even if it's four metres, we'll take it. Um, and he, I think, I still remember his response. He said, "Is if you could see my face now, I'm smiling. Um, <laughs> definitely. Why don't you come and see me on Saturday? So we both went and met him. And he said, when do you want to move in? And we said, tomorrow. <laughs> and he said, you guys are crazy. I'll get the keys cut for you. Yeah. Um, you can pick them up tomorrow morning. That's um, and so that's how all that started, yeah. which is really nice. Amazing. Yeah. It's I nice think, when it happens organically yeah, like that. And, yeah. and everyone is like, up for just getting it going yes, rather exactly. than kind of yeah. waiting on things to happen. Yeah, exactly. totally. Yeah. Amazing. So I guess at this time then, there was a community that he had created in Melbourne. Yeah. But there was there a community growing online as well that you um, were There was a community online. Um, uh, obviously, Instagram following has grown organically yeah. quite rapidly. Um, and there was a community online that was just building up. So it started off the back of my Instagram. Yeah. Um, and then the house was profiled. 
um, in the Plant Hunter yeah. um, Design Files magazines. Um, and then we led into the business profile too. So um, the Plant Society Instagram started after we did, but there was a big online following, um, which was nice. I think we got picked up in... We actually, we took a break from it all because it was actually quite overwhelming. Really? Yeah. yeah, so we just took a break. We went overseas uh, for, I think, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weirdly said we wouldn't do anything plant-related, but we ended up meeting all these plant people, <laughs> like, in passing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, one morning, my Instagram was just pinging away. Um, and I was like, oh, what are, what's happening? And Nathan was the one that said, oh, why don't you just Google your name? Um, And then overnight, um, uh, an American blog had listed me as one of the top 10 Australian New Zealand Instagrammers to follow. Amazing. Um, And that kind of solidified that we should do what we wanted to do. Yeah. Um, What were you doing beforehand that kind of maybe felt like it wasn't something that you were... um, And kind of why you got overwhelmed with it? I think it was... It sounds really silly, but I think it was the exposure... We had so much exposure, yeah. um, and I think it was a surprise because we were doing what we wanted to do, yeah. and we were like, well, why are we getting so much exposure working with plants, yeah. um, and we're not the types of people to want to be in the limelight, yeah. and so that's been a big adjustment. Um, I, I, I understand that kind of part of you want to do what you want to do, and you have to promote it. Yes. But you don't necessarily want to ha- be the face of things necessarily. I, I've never tried to be the face of men in this town. It's yeah. like I always hate putting myself out there. But that's the way to promote things nowadays. Yeah. So yeah. I can see that struggle of like, yeah. I don't want to be all out there. want to know the face behind that Absolutely. thing that they yeah, love totally. as well. Yeah. I think they, people find that really fascinating. So you yes. have, have a readjustment there. Kind yeah, of, so we went know. over there and we went, oh, well, you know, um, maybe we need to look at it in a different way. Um, Had the book come out at this point? No. So once that article came out, the next day I got an email from Hardy Grant asking me to write a book. We're uh, uh, co-publishing I know. Yes. (laughs) Before the Hardy Grant. Totally. (laughs) So um, that was nice. So they emailed and approached me. I had never thought about writing a book. Um, It was probably something I may have wanted to do if, like, time had gone. But it was quite early at that point. So um, it was nice to go into that meeting with Hardy Grant. Um, and I think initially they wanted me to write a coffee table book. Mm. Um, and that, through what we did, that was something I didn't want to do. Um, so I wanted it to be educational yeah. as well. And so we found a hybrid in between yeah. coffee table and an educational book. Um, but it was nice for them to listen to me because you often think that being younger, that, you know, a publishing house that has so much experience, yeah. they know what they're doing yeah, yeah. and they won't listen to you. Um, but it was nice that it's always been that relationship. I found out as well with them. Yeah. It's, it is something that they obviously have an eye for capturing the people yes. that are going to make an interesting book. And yep. obviously they want what we're doing to kind of stand out and yes. sell to the audience that you have as well. Yeah, so totally. It's, I think they're very easy to kind of work with in that yeah, realm. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And they're great in just getting the book out there. Oh, totally. Aren't they? Like yeah. this with distribution where that's so difficult. Yeah. The and then understand, you know, being honest about, you know, your, your role as an author, your role as a business owner. Yeah. Um, biggest thing for us, we keep saying that we're almost a translator, you know, the mm. in-between. Trying to understand, we work with a whole lot of different industries. Yeah. And understanding 
you know, everyone speaks a different language, but at the end of the day, they're wanting the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just translating that. Um, so then the book came out a few months later. Yeah. As and that kind of set the, the road to where you guys are. Yeah, yeah we opened the shop. We yeah. And that shop had been open for a few months. Um, I think we kind of took off. We took off before the book yeah. had come out. I think even we were laughing the other day with Hardy Grant that, you know, as once we start writing a book, give it a year by the yeah. time the book comes out. And they are shocked at our growth in that year as well yeah, before right. the book's come out. Um, we actually, the shop at the start was, wasn't quite working, mm. to be honest as well. Why is that? Do you think? Um, just exposure. We were tucked away. We thought that, you know, Melburnians would actually dig around, find yeah. things. But um, it was just a bit slow like any business and I think we were eager to make it kick off really fast yeah. day one um, which we know now talking to business owners that you're lucky to make it through the first year yeah. and then you're lucky to make it first the first three years um, so you know I think they're saying that 10 years is a time where you're settled that which, I, mm. I really agree with that in yeah. the sense of like I've now been doing this for almost a decade next mm. year okay. mm. and it's been a slow growth yeah. which I am very comfortable with and yeah. it's it, it makes it so that you're not going to be that startup or that one company that lasted and was trendy for that one year or two yeah. years. Yeah. Rather than you, you kind of you worked it through and you mm-hmm. stayed to sustain yourself for ten years. And, yeah. 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 So if you had this amazing growth in Melbourne, what inspired the idea to open a Sydney location? I think Sydney. Yeah, it's also been organic. We did. We have done quite a bit of work up there previous to opening our pop-up and our retail arm uh it's something we always i think we always knew sydney was a space that we would love to be in but we obviously didn't we needed to focus on melbourne and how we were growing here first yeah um and i feel like opening the store now we're very we feel very solid in melbourne and we've got an amazing team um and we, we were now able to actually step into Sydney properly. And we didn't want to do that until we were 100% or as close to that ready as we felt we yeah. could be. And, yeah, I think we got... We actually got asked to open a store in L.A. before no Sydney. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so we went on a trip last December. And out of that, we decided that we've got a pop-up in Sydney, which we're doing at Paramount Recreation Club. Um, and it was just a pop-up once a week. And we said, well, we either do it properly once again or we pull out. Right. Um, and we do L.A. And we thought, let's give Sydney a good go before yeah. we do L.A. Um, and so... Um, less of a commute. Less of a commute. <laughs> Just slightly, yeah. And uh, interestingly, it probably, in terms of mental capacity, would be the same. Right. Doing mm-hmm. something in L.A. and Sydney. Cause, Absolutely, yeah. Um, each city is slightly different. So you're still learning about the city. You're yeah. still trying to set it up and... Had you guys had much experience in Sydney? You had the pop-up there for we how long? A year. A year. Um, yeah. So at Paramount, we were there for kind of six months. About six so. months, we were there every week. And we even there, we found we were starting to build up a community yeah. and regular customers. Yeah. And, By the um, time we left, yeah. Yeah. And they've all come to the new shop, which is nice. Yeah. So. Um, but we had driven up back and forth during pop-ups. Driven? Yes. No way. Yeah. That's a lot of driving. <laughs> We've got, we, we do have um, two team members up in Sydney. Yeah were great uh, we love them and they've been ru- running that pop up uh, and we've been coming up intermittently the first three months I was there every weekend so I was either driving up 
yeah, with, right. with stock and more plants and whatever I they needed. They need stock up there. It's yeah. yeah. And it's, it's driving. Exactly. And it's negotiating all those sorts of things logistically. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot yeah. of driving. And we, we knew we did have a big following there because a lot of, we got actually commissioned to do workshops for a shopping centre, for yeah, instance. Right. And um, that was six workshops back to back. And we were up there for two weekends. And um, that was nice to see them book out. And it was all full. Mm. It was nice to finally work with collaborators who we have a rule never to talk about money when we talk about collaborations. Because yeah. that, for me, the idea of a collaboration is to experiment with ideas and, you know, pass on traffic, but, you know, see a different viewpoint, yeah. which is why you would do a collaboration. Yeah, yeah. Um, not financially. Because I no, think right. financially, for us as well, financially, that comes last. We need to do what we love and then hopefully people Especially see it. Especially in Australia, I feel like. Mm. It's, we need yeah. each other and we need to work with each other and kind of to promote one yeah. another and kind yeah. of when they are organic kind of collaborations, it, yeah. it works so well and it kind of gets the exposure that yeah. we both need, I think. So. Yeah, and so um, that was nice to see that starting to happen and yeah. um, that's how we've grown in Melbourne is, you know, actually yeah. experimenting ideas, learning things. We've got a few more coming out this year. Um, and that's always challenging us, but also I think reminding other businesses that community is really important, mm-hmm. that being honest about Australia's community, that um, not everyone has money yeah. and that not everyone understands what a plant is or, you know, a designer shirt is or yeah. they need to be exposed to that gradually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, the Sydney location itself, that is something that's a little bit different than what you're offering here. Yes. You have the kind of an Airbnb type of um, place for people to kind of stay. Yeah. Upstairs location. Where, where yeah. did that come from? Um, probably my stubbornness. <laughs> um, we had been traveling up and down every two weeks, every week. Um, I would be flying up for a meeting, flying back down, Nathan would be driving up. So we're always in transit um, separately and then together. But um, I that idea of home was missing for me yeah. so like you're saying a lot of people see what you do on Instagram yeah. but there's so much behind the scene that you're never going to capture on Instagram <laughs> um, and that was our commute that we would be up at you know 4am in the morning to get on the 6 o'clock flight yeah. you know back either at 7 o'clock at night or you stay up there the night and um, as much as staying in hotels hotels seem amazing um, by you know the 12th stay um, you get over it. Oh, absolutely. And, um, so we, I had said it would be great to have a house in Sydney that we could stay at too um, and then rent out as a B&B for other commuters um, where they would know the person every time they came right, okay. and have that relationship. Yeah. So not necessarily a public offering? Um, it is, is it? a public it is offering. Public? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. so um, we hope to get regulars. We've spoken to designers here. Right, okay. um, and just that hybrid of and I think when we found the place, it's, you know, William Street is reminiscent of old shopping. It's yeah. quite historic for that. Um, and that idea of the shop house, um, we modelled Melbourne off a milk bar where yeah. people could come in and have a chat and it was okay not to buy anything. Right. Um, and then Sydney, we wanted to carry that through, which I think that's quite unusual for Sydney to be able to, you know, have a conversation and not feel like you have to buy something. Yeah, yeah. And so... Um, being able to offer the shop house where it's okay to be staying in a space where a shop attendant's there. Yeah. Um, and it's actually quite nice because if you're commuting by yourself, you have someone to have a conversation with. I love that. Yeah. And I suppose it's being able to extend that service that we offer 
into accommodate literally accommodating people yeah. who are staying with us yeah, and looking yeah. after them even more so than we do um, in a retail sense, which is kind of yeah. nice, I think. A bit of an unexpected direction as well for the mm. business then, isn't uh, it? Totally, yeah. yeah. But I think that's also personally as well, it's a direction that I think we both want to take is yeah. that we made a rule when we started that, you know, almost 10% of what we do has to be what, you know, as we grow, 10% had to give back to the community or, yeah. you know, we have, you know, these percentages which aren't exact. But um, something what we always try to do is push ourselves personally as well. So the be- the guest house is something that we would have loved to do even without the business. So yeah. why don't we bring it together and do it together? And seamlessly. Yeah. Yes, yeah, well. yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's also about running the business is also about challenging ourselves yeah. and not just going, well, is that going to make money? Don't know. Um, you know, it's like stocking a product. You don't know if it's going to sell. Yeah. In my head, it's so amazing that it's going to sell and then it might flop. And we always laugh about that. Yeah. Um, and not to be so cr- critical on yourself when things don't sell. You know, we stock so many lines now and one item out of 200 might not sell, but not to g- be critical about that yeah, one yeah. item um, because you just don't know what people are going to um, react, how people are going to react to everything. You guys are definitely living and treating the business like you would a plant and that you just take those risks and kind of try yeah. it and yeah. kind of do see that in your ethos kind yeah. of way you work. It's amazing. Yeah. You guys have um, been in Sin- or Melbourne now for, well, you've grown up in Melbourne. The business yeah. has been for how right. long? It, uh, technically three years. Three years. Um, but sort of, I'd say full steam with a, with a retail uh, commercial presence for two years now, just over two years. Amazing. Yeah. So, how has your life kind of changed in Melbourne? Now, having your own business, what is your kind of your average day like? Um, so, life has changed quite a bit, <laughs> but I think in a good way. Um, I think it's good that we love what we do because it doesn't feel like work. Mm. Um, uh, we wake up at you know, this week's been a hard week for us. We're waking up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m. That'd be our average this week. Our average this yeah. week. Um, and <laughs> not finishing till 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. For us, the staff have been finishing. Why is that? Why, why is it a busy period? Um, it's because we're doing so many different things. And I think because we're teaching ourselves a lot, um, we work with a whole range of clients, mm. which is great too. And I think because we're really flexible. So, you know a four o'clock wake up is easier to go to Melbourne Central for instance than trying to get in there at nine o'clock sure, which yeah. is chaotic um, and just being able to react a little faster to clients as well um, we funnily enough nicknamed ourselves plant butlers <laughs> because of that um, we look after some high end houses and we're flexible when they call us and say can you pick up some orchids on the way or yeah. um, just going back to community oh, treating it like family as well yeah. so our clients are like family, so we try to keep them happy because they're trying to keep us happy. Mm-hmm. So. so that's a little bit of an offshoot, the client work as well from yeah. the actual retail business. Yeah. Yes, totally. So yeah. we do, we should probably sum up the arms of the business. So we started with uh, retail, mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. called workshops. Um, and then we actually, because that wasn't working, like I mentioned before, um, we went, well, I shouldn't look at my architecture career as finishing that it can translate into how we choose plants for interiors. Right. Um, and we were already doing a bit of it, but we it was just a side thing, you know, trying to keep the end client happy that an interior designer had chosen a plant that would survive. Or, mm. um, and then it actually kept growing, but then 
it was almost at a standstill because we couldn't work out why a developer wouldn't say yes to a nominal amount of plants. Yeah. Um, and then it was honestly picking up the phone and saying, hey, I know that this essentially is $2 for you as a business. Yeah, yeah. Why aren't you saying yes to it? Yeah. And then he invited us in and said, oh, why don't you come in for coffee? Mm. We'll talk about it. Um, and he said to us, you know, $2,000 isn't a lot of money for us, to be honest, but it's a bad investment if they die in a week. <laughs> yeah. And that, <clears throat> straight away, that surprised yeah, right. us. Yeah. Um, so he said, oh, would you guys look after them? Right, okay. And we said, yes, but let us go away and work at a fee that's fair for you and yeah. fair for us. And he's like, completely get it. You're running a business. I'm running a business. Let's just be fair. Um, and so that maintenance arm and the commercial arm kicked off at the same time. Mm. Wow, okay. And I think, yeah, I think that maintenance goes hand in hand, like Jason was saying, with the clients that are investing in changing their space or yeah. greening their space. Because, you know, exactly what, if, if you're going to spend an amount of money on something that possibly might not be there in six weeks because you don't know how to look after it, yeah. it makes sense that we can come in and do that for you. Um, and then that in itself we love because we'll go to these locations where our plant butlers will <laughs> and we have conversations with staff or those businesses and about gardening and then it extends beyond just looking after plants. We get to make relationships with these yeah. people and they'll be excited when we come in because they've got a question about their plant at home or, you know, we it, you can really still inspire people yeah. and you're maintaining their plants. So yeah. there's a lot of levels to it. Which and is it, really nice. Amazing yeah. from a business point of view as well. Like it's just yeah. it's a way of just continue to expand and, yeah. Yeah. and grow the community. Um, off the topic of business. So what is your downtime? What do you guys do kind of when you have your own time for yourself? Three guesses what Jason does. <laughs> Three guesses. I garden. Garden, <laughs> still. there you go. Um, so st- you still have that <laughs> that that passion, that hobby part that is just yours for gardening. Yeah. yeah. So I that was something I was very anxious about going into the plant society um, and that was my hesitation was that it was my relaxation so yeah. I'd garden before work after work even if I got home at 9 o'clock at night I would be in the garden yeah. with a torch on mm-hmm. just to get in there um, and so I can to my surprise it's been great that I can still garden personally yeah. and it doesn't feel like work that's so yeah, that's, that's what I do I, I can't sit still as much as Nathan hates me not being able to watch TV Yeah, but uh that's your luxury, that's, though. Yeah, that's my, your exactly. luxury thing that's my getaway. Yeah. That's kind of the only time now that I'm completely by myself. Yeah. 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 Really yeah. How about yourself? Um, I can sit still. <laughs> <laughs> I quite enjoy it when I get the chance to. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, I don't know. I One thing I love is going home to Bendigo, where I grew up, spending time with my family and my friends yeah. there. Because I suppose it does feel removed from everything else that I'm doing in a nice way yeah. where I can actually just sort of stop thinking about Absolutely. everything for a minute and just focus on seeing my family or seeing my friends. Mm. Um, so for me, it's just slowing down and taking time out. Yeah. If it's watching TV or catching up with my friends, I think I really appreciate that time now. Yeah. Um, even more than I did when I was flying and away a lot because I feel like now I actually have to make a lot more effort to ensure I fit that time in for other people Absolutely. and my friends and my family so and just not have your business brain on the whole time yeah like, oh, totally. that's important. yeah, yeah. and that's been a big learning curve for me yes um, I'd never worked in an office or anywhere I had to take work yeah, home right. with me yeah. and then suddenly not only not only am I doing that but it's my own thing 
so it's even harder to switch off. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning that that's really important and I'm learning how good it is when I actually get the chance to do that because then when I switch back on, I've got so much more yeah. mental capacity to actually... To go. Yeah, exactly. So Amazing. So what is your, your mind spaces right now? What, what's it like to be you guys individually? At the moment, chaotic in my head, but organised. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got some really great opportunities coming up. So we're always working on multiple things at once. Um, it has really helped having a team around us. Yeah, sure. Um, and I say around us, not below us, because um, they, we wouldn't be here without that amazing team. Um, and so... Is that also in the, in the way from like a financial point of view, like having people that take care of the the business stuff mm. as well or is it people that are um, kind of more some, it's that shops. balance again so sometimes financially we can't afford another staff member mm. but we take a calculated risk and do it yeah um, because at that moment in time our brains are going to explode yeah. um, and it's almost that tipping point of hating what we do and loving what we do yeah and I know it's easier said than done but um, just finding realistic ways of hiring people and being real again with recruitment. So, so we've got a lot of staff who do other things and they only want to do two days a week, but yeah. they know that they can nail our task yeah, in the yeah. two days. Yeah. Um, but then if they need to leave halfway through the day because they've got an emergency or they simply have to do something else for their other job, then they clock off and it's fine. Yeah. Cause, and they clock back on at night yeah. um, when they need to, if we've got an urgent deadline or something. But then some weeks they might stay on for too long and we're telling them to go home and they go, oh, well, I took last half of last week off. So yeah. um, so that's that standpoint. And also it is allowing us to grow as well because um, I think the difference is we do see a long time out of what we do here. And so we need to invest in the right stuff to allow that to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 How about yourself, Nathan? For um, headspace right uh, now. Same. It's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's actually like I've literally got like butterflies in my stomach <laughs> because it's exciting what we're doing. Um, it's a mix of emotions because, yeah, there's just we're so busy and there's so much happening. So there is a level of anxiety, I guess, around like, is this going to work? Are we doing the right thing? But at the same time, we know we are and we're going with what feels right and what we know is right, um, which is how we've kind of got to where we are. So it is really... Yeah, it's a, it's a bubble of excitement um, and nervousness, I guess, as well. But a positive... Yeah, it's almost... I'm trying to explain how it feels. It's not a negative thing. It's it's like being parents, I think. Well, this is what I relate to being parents. But um, seeing something grow and then not knowing what to do at that moment, but trying mm. to work through it. Yeah, yeah. That's a way um, to explain it. And we... I always laugh that we always have a joke that dad says no in terms of to our staff. Um, and because we have realised that we are role models to our staff as well. Yeah. And that even, you know, a month ago we restructured what we do to take away the day-to-day tasks that someone else could do and letting go. Yeah. You know, I don't have to pack the van, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And I felt bad getting the staff to do it, right. personally. So we would take all the jobs that we didn't want the staff to do, and that was, you know, cleaning, <laughs> packing the van, and then amongst with yeah. our meetings and accounts as well. Even accounts and um, my design work I had, you know, control over, but then we're never going to grow trying to do all three things each. No, right. 
Yeah. And so just giving that over and saying, if you can just breathe what I'm breathing, yeah. then you'll be great yeah. as in terms of a staff member. And having staff members... That's hard them, to do, I think, isn't yeah. it? Just to mm-hmm. let go of things. Yeah, definitely. Even if they are bad not, things, it's like... We're not, not wanting to do those tasks <laughs> because we just yeah. don't want to do them. It's no. because yeah. in a way now we can't because we need to focus on... Mm-hmm other things that are really important to help the business grow yeah so yeah and so we've restructured to allow us to actually so if someone's on retail and they need some mentoring on retail or they need some mentoring in their personal lives which we have this gray area which we think is quite beautiful um that we can talk to someone personally about their lives while they're working with us yeah um which is you know some places say don't do that but um we just think that you know we've got a generation with um, a whole range of different things they have to experience now and they don't have that opportunity to talk to someone who's maybe 10 years older or 20 years older because of we generally work with that same generation yeah. in retail um, which is different in America I think you know there's a whole age range in re- retail yeah, yeah. in America which we don't really see in Australia um, and I think that's vital in everyone's growth I remember growing up in the cinemas working there and you know, someone who was in their 30s when I was 15, was 15, 16, would yell at me before my parents could yell at me for doing something silly. Um, and that's really important, I think. Yeah, so yeah. we spend more time now with staff because um, if we can allow them to grow them, we can all grow Absolutely. together. Yeah. It's, like, it's yourself. You're just extending your knowledge yeah. and yeah, everything totally. to people working with you. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right, last question. Uh, the Sweet Life, that's Dolce Vita is the podcast um what are some of your favorite sweets or individually your favorite sweet that you love to eat oh my God. i think it's where do we start uh, we're terrible I'm, are you sweet people oh my uh, gosh yeah i'm i'm terrible i'm the worst influence <laughs> oh yeah um and i have no control so it does not work well yeah. one area of our lives that is not yeah that is yeah i hear you <laughs> so ice cream is our go-to ice nice. cream every yes. night yeah any particular brand that you love um Peter Pipo at the moment. What's that? Peter Pipo is based in Carlton. Okay. So um, we always get Peter Pipo, which is great. What flavor? Um, A mix all the time. (laughs) I think the the usuals, hazelnut, (laughs) but is it Baccio? Baccio, chocolate. Chocolate. And then the fourth one, we just, every time we'll pick the mix it up. Something different they have. I love that. That's so good. Ice cream makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) That's the best one. I know. (laughs) And then, you know, we want cakes and... It's good that I'm busy now because I used to bake a lot. So yeah, yeah. It's a good excuse not to have a lot of sweets. <laughs> but, um, yeah, lots of cakes. And I grew up with my grandma baking all the time. So cookies, cakes. My grandma bakes too. Yeah. I always come home with a few slices and <laughs> lots of treats, which is amazing. So, yeah. But that's, you know, you've got to enjoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> take those little moments and enjoy the sweet. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I think uh, a lot of people got a lot out of it, so I know I did for sure. So thank you. Thank you Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Portrait Session in partnership with Emporio Armani. If you enjoyed this story and would like to read more stories about men in this town, check out issue 11 of Mitt Magazine, available now at meninthistown.com. Have a great day and thanks again for your support.